0: Welcome to Tales of the Resistance. I'm Mara Zeltz, and I am the project manager with the I Am Responsible team, Um, and you are listening to a podcast all about antimicrobial resistance. And on the podcast today, I'm going to be joined by Amber Patterson.
1: Hi, I'm Amber Patterson. I'm the multimedia graphics designer for the Schmidt Lab and work with the AMR team.
2: And by Noel atieno More. Hi, my name is Noelle Etienne-Omoire and I am an assistant engineer with Olson and I'm joining the AMR team to help record the podcast.
0: So apologies, first of all, to our listeners for um, the way I sound today. I'm a little bit recovering from a long cold, but we're going to get through it. And uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. We've Ben, if if our listeners have followed us on the different social media platforms for the I Am Responsible team, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Well, if you do, you may have seen that we were asking for some questions from our audience about what what questions they still have about antimicrobial resistance that we might be able to answer. And um, we thought that this podcast might be a good way to kind of dive into some of those questions. So that's what we're gonna do today is a little bit of a a mailbag episode of Tales of the Resistance um, with questions submitted by you. All right, so uh, are we ready to get into it? Yep. Okay, so for our first question today, uh, we have what may be the most basic fundamental question about uh, the topic of antimicrobial resistance. And that is how do bacteria become resistant and uh, what, mecha- what are the mechanisms leading to bacterial resistance?
2: <laughs> That's always been like the first slide of my presentations mostly. Uh, and so there are multiple ways bacteria can become resistant. And First and foremost, it is important to note that antimicrobial resistance is naturally occurring in the environment. So knowing that, uh, how do those bacteria in the environment become resistant naturally? So the first way in which bacteria can become resistance, resistant is through mutation. And basically that's through the DNA. And so from a mother cell to a daughter cell, resistance can be passed down and that's one way bacteria can become resistant
0: yeah and that's kind of a good point uh about uh, it's it occurs naturally because of this thing called mutation and maybe to explain that a little bit more because i think we've all heard the name mutation maybe thinking about like x-men or something you know superpowers but mutations happen all the time right um in your body, like the human body, every time a cell needs to duplicate itself or, um, or bacteria cell or any kind of cell, they have to copy all of the genes that is in the cell that directs the cell on what it does. And this is, you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces or millions of pieces of information that are copied using... Um, biochemical processes, basically with proteins. Um, And usually that works pretty well, but there are always mistakes every time that it's copied. Now, all cells, including bacterial cells, have ways to sort of correct for mistakes, but over time, mutations just occur naturally um, that get sort of away from the correction potential of the cell and that's why in a natural environment you always have antibiotic resistance because there it's it's just a mutation that happened because when you're copying your genes that many times you know all kinds of combinations um, are are going to occur and some of them will cause resistance it's always a low amount unless you get to a point where now that mutation is suddenly super beneficial to the survival of the species which happens when antibiotics are present. So it's a kind of combination of naturally occurring mutation and then now it's like uh, essential to survival that becomes a huge you know, population wide mutation.
2: And then another common way is uh, horizontal gene transfer. And uh, so that's, that's a mouthful, that's a scientific term. And basically with horizontal gene transfer, as you can see, basically genes are transferred from one bacteria cell to another. That's what horizontal gene transfer is commonly about. And people uh, call it in short as HGT, but I'll just go ahead and call it horizontal gene transfer. So whereby, if you have a bacteria that's already resistant to antibiotics present, and we have bacteria that are not resistant present, you can find that the genes that are resistant antibiotics can be transferred from one bacterial cell to another. And this can occur uh, in many ways. In the first way is say you have antibiotics present in an environment, and then you do have bacteria that are very susceptible to these antibiotics, Uh, those bacteria will die. But then you also have bacteria that are already resistant to these antibiotics. And then those will continue to proliferate and they will continue to grow. And as they grow, uh, they can easily pass the resistance from uh, one bacteria to another. And that is through the horizontal gene transfer. And the other way that I mentioned is through from mother to daughter through mutation. Uh,
0: So there's to just like an analogy to think about horizontal gene transfer for uh, folks uh, who, for this seems really foreign, right? That the idea that two living beings, two living cells, you know, this are sharing genes, not through like, like Noel was saying, mother to child, but through like um, like your neighbors. So this is like you and your neighbor you know, rather than just talking across your fence in the backyard, you're now like taking your eye color and giving it to them. This is really kind of bizarre and weird. Um, But it's something that bacteria do. And fortunately, you don't see this happening in in real life all the time. But there are some other methods like that would be kind of like a similar to conjugation. There's like, but there's also um, a, a way that bacteria can kind of like pick up DNA from their environment, This is mm-hmm. called, it's part of horizontal gene transfer, but it's just a separate, slightly separate um, type. And that's kind of like, you know, if you were going to go dumpster diving for, um, for, you know, goodies that you wanna keep, some bacteria will just kind of go around. And I was like, oh, this gene looks cool. I'll just use that. I might find a use for that later. I'm gonna take that home with me, incorporate it into my genome. So bacteria are a little odd, but it gives them some um, cool survival mechanisms that we don't have.
1: I think that kind of leads to the next question, which is how do you know when bacteria have developed antimicrobial
0: resistance? And that's a big one too. Um, And I actually probably we should start by a little bit of maybe kind of slicing it a little narrower in terms of what is resistance and what is something like tolerance. Because we use the word antimicrobial resistance to mean that, um, that an antimicrobial is able to survive the effect of an antibiotic or survive in the environment of an antibiotic. But there are are when a medical person says that something is antibiotic resistance, they mean not just that, that it has a heightened survival um, uh, capacity, but that it has met or exceeded a set um, survival, the survival capacity for a set concentration of the antibiotic. Meaning uh, what's called a minimum inhibitory concentration. And And that's important um, because you'll see a lot of times people talking about antibiotic resistance. Um, and it can be anywhere on the spectrum of they were able to like a microbe is able to survive in a pretty low concentration of an antimicrobial all the way up to, you know, medical definitions for um, antibiotic resistance, which is, this bacteria survived in a pretty high concentration of antibiotics, a concentration that would be similar to the amount that you might see if you were taking an antibiotic. So that was probably the first thing that you kind of want to define is true resistance means that a bacteria is able to survive in a pretty high concentration. It's not incidental. So then, how you know that the bacteria has developed antimicrobial resistance? There's different kinds of like standard um, lab measurements. <laughs> you might use what's called a disk diffusion method, and that basically you have a bunch of bacteria growing on a plate, um, and then on that plate you inc- you put um, a little bit of antibiotics with a diffuse that diffuse in their concentration um, away from a certain spot. So if you look up antibiotic resistance in like a Google search, you may see a lot of these plates from disc diffusion tests where you have a Petri dish and all over it, there are all these spots as though it was like polka dotted and inside of each of those spots is a little white disc. And um, so what those are is you've got some kind of bacteria isolate that they found. So this is um, one species of bacteria. And they covered the plate with it. And then they put it within those little white discs, different types of antibiotics. And then that antibiotic will diffuse within the disc to lower and lower concentrations farther and farther away from the little white spot. So then if you have a big circle, clear circle around the little white disc where that antibiotic was not able or where that bacteria was not able to survive, then that bacteria is not very resistant to that antibiotic, right? Because Uh even in pretty low concentrations, it died. But if it's very close to a little white circle, then that bacteria is surviving in pretty high concentrations of antibiotic. And that's why sometimes you'll see like those those plates held up as this is an example of extreme antibiotic resistance because there's bare, barely any dead zone. The bacteria covers the whole plate and then you have the antibiotics um, just sitting there and having no effect.
1: Do you think it's important? I mean, you've, you guys have talked about it, but I think what's in, you know, interesting and we always talk, say is that the bacteria become resistant. A person's not antimicrobial resistant. The bacteria is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it, that is really essential um, and something that, you know, I am even surprised because I was at a conference. Well, now it's before COVID, so that was a long time ago. But it all runs together. But I remember very distinctly having a conversation with someone about this topic, you know, and and saying. Uh, you know, there are are studies out there of, you know, almost half the population that when you talk about, uh, talking about antibiotic resistant infection, they think that it is an infection that they're getting. I mean, a, a resistance that they're getting. And what does it matter what they, you know, what they think about that. But I always think of it this way. So, I think that, especially now in the post-COVID era, we we all know a little bit more than we did about how to protect ourselves from bacteria, you know. Full stop. Doesn't matter if they're antibiotic resistant, or I should say, how to protect ourselves from microbes, you know, viruses or antibiotic-resistant bacteria or just your regular run-of-the-mill um, E. coli you know, we, we have a little bit better understanding of the microbial world and how to protect ourselves from that. Whereas something that you can get yourself that sounds like a mutation that you can get, that's like, well, that's more like cancer. And the two, and to prevent the two different things requires different kinds of behavioral change. And so if people have in their minds, um, that they're preventing their own capacity to mutate into, you know, resistance beings or something, they're going to behave very differently than if they think they're protecting themselves from microbes. And so that distinction, while it seems, it can seem pretty small, may be pretty impactful in terms of how people are receiving that information and what they're going to do with it down the line. So very good point to include for sure all right, so that was a little bit of a, a fundamentals of anti antibiotic resistance. Hopefully you got some uh, some of your questions answered or maybe you have some new ones so please uh, send them our way. Um, you can send it to us on through our social medias uh, at. I am responsible edu on Facebook or Instagram, or at I underscore am responsible on Twitter. Or you can send them to us uh, through email at um, I educate at gmail.com. Um, and we'd love to have your questions and we'll continue to add them to the mailbag uh, or future mailbags um, as they come up. So, we hope you enjoyed that, and um, we'll look forward to talking to everybody again in the next few weeks. So, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Man, this, I feel like this is kind of a mess. <laughs> I think we can come with something out of this, but I, we're really all over the place.
1: I mean, I'm sure a lot of it will be edited, but bits and pieces of it are pure gold. Okay. Okay.
0: We're going to need, I'm going to need you to find your goals.